let's dive into this. Um, I, man, like I said, I love uh, being able to come and share. Uh, I'm gonna, man, I might have to sneak in and just come right in so that he gets a series because I love that, um, that message he gets us. Uh, you know, Jesus was a refugee. He was a kid raised by a single mom. He was a dude who was homeless and he was a dude who was hated by his own community. He was talked bad about. His siblings didn't like him. Can you relate, right? I mean, just that's just right off the dome, right? These are the things we can come up with about Jesus, right? The Bible says he's our great high priest. I'm preaching a different sermon. Let me stop. Um, man, I'm just like, like, pause this and let's talk about that. Um, that's good stuff. Uh, you're in the series, we're in the series, Bitterness or Betterness, Betterness or Bitterness, if I don't say it exactly the right way, it was just on the slides, right? Was it better? It's betterness? Is that what it's called? It's betterness. Yeah, yeah. Gee, that's, that's, that's what it is. Betterness. I knew it was bitterness or betterness, or I couldn't remember exactly how we were, were wording it. Uh, and uh, out of the book of James, and I'm excited, love the book of James, and, and when uh, the team asked if I'd come share, um, I, I didn't even know exactly fully what the topic was, but uh, I, I kind of heard some excerpts, and then I actually took a day just kind of with the Lord uh, in the, right around the new year. It's not my phone, right? Okay, good. Just making sure. I left my phone over there, and sometimes I don't turn things off. It's on me, right? Um, and uh, I was really excited because I kind of had a word for you all. Like, as I was in my prayer time, I wasn't even necessarily planning a sermon, but I kind of had a word. Uh, I believe I texted Jeff, uh, Pastor Jeff, afterwards uh, or, or emailed him. And I said, hey, man, this is what I'm kind of thinking. He says, hey, that actually goes in lockstep with where we're at. So I was really excited. So let me read this and let me pray. James chapter 3, verse 13 uh, through 18. James chapter 3, 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it in their good life by the deed done, deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. But if you harbor bitterness, envy, if you harbor bitter envy, sorry, I read this like in three different translations. So if I don't hit it exactly like the screen does, you'll understand. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For, uh, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you, uh, you find disorder and every evil practice. But wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you paint a very clear picture here that we are going to unpack today. And we thank you, Lord, that what you're doing is good and you're helping us switch that one letter difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, this has got to be one of the hardest things to do is to switch that one letter difference that, from that I to that E. But the Bible gives us a picture here in James of some different attitudes, right? Or specifically heavenly wisdom versus earthly wisdom, godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom, and wisdom from above, wisdom from below. So let's take a picture at these two wisdoms. I went through a bunch of different translations, and I just kind of extrapolated some of the different words that are used so you can take a picture. So wisdom from below, right? Earthly wisdom, bitterness, envy, pride, right? Hypocrisy, favoritism, evil work. It just is like, I love how the Bible is just like, yo, everything that's evil, all that bad stuff you be doing, not from God, right? That's wisdom from below, wisdom from above. And then wisdom from above, or wisdom from below, not wisdom from above. It's a good lifestyle, right? 
You should have good faith, bear good fruits. Be a peacemaker, sow in peace. You bear righteousness. You're gentle. You're not dogmatic. You're considerate. These are all the different things. It gives you this two clear pictures, the dividing line right down the middle. So now that you've seen that sermon over, go do the good part, not the bad part. Yay. All right? It's not that easy, though. We know that. Because if it was that easy, it's, it's intellectually, you're like, yeah, I should, I should be gentle and kind. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> and then you're like, that bleeperty bleeper. <laughs> right? I, I, in my neighborhood, they just put a bunch of roundabouts in in the last year, year and a half. And I discovered, while I know how to navigate roundabouts, most of my neighbors do not. And I have these um, religious experiences um, every time I'm going through a roundabout where things happen, where I realize I am definitely functioning out of worldly, earthly, below wisdom, and not good, godly, heavenly, above wisdom. Because I say things, mostly in my head, but every once in a while out loud, and if I said it out loud on stage, I don't think I'd be allowed to come back. Uh, So we'll just leave it there. Uh, But no, but if we're being honest, we understand that it's hard to shift that one letter. It's hard to make that move. That's why we sit here and look at this, and we need to understand Really, what James is diving in here, we need to start to dig in to say, okay, if we've got to make the shift from all of those things that are worldly and above to the, uh, or worldly and below to what is above, how do we do that? And James makes it clear in his first line, who is wise among you? Who is wise in understanding? If you want to make that shift, wisdom is key. Because left to your own devices, you can't do this on your own. How do I know that? I know that because of this. James, or excuse me, Jeremiah chapter 17 says this. The heart is deceitfully wicked beyond all things, beyond all cure. Who can understand it? The Lord says, I search, the, or, or I, uh, I the Lord search the heart and examine the mind to reward the person according to their conduct, according to whatever deeds they deserve. All right, if the Lord is searching our hearts, reality is most of us, not just me when I'm driving through roundabouts, most of our hearts look like me driving through roundabouts and my people around me don't know what they're doing. That's our heart. That's our situation. That's our default mechanism for being honest. Like we don't have the capacity within ourselves just to automatically shift that gear. Like you'll have moments You'll have time when you're like, hey, I did a good thing. But, but to stay in that place of betterness versus bitterness, you can't do it on your own. I've heard people say this line, and, and especially I work with young people. I was actually hanging out. Um, I see my friend Dwayne in the crowd. I was hanging out at Lakes High School this week. I was hanging out at Stillicum, meeting with a few people I know at both schools. Uh, and I was meeting with a couple of students and uh, uh, some students who are going through some stuff. We had one thing happen in my community recently. We had a really tragic uh, suicide uh, in my community in the last month, and so I've met with a lot of people um, and uh, uh, talking to a group of students uh, that were connected to that. Um, we got on the topic of feelings and relationships, and it was kind of interesting. It really dovetailed perfectly into his message, so it's kind of a little uh, a side, side piece here for a second, but I was talking to a group of students, and uh, as they were talking about how do we navigate how we feel, how do we navigate what we do, how do we you know, some people were bitter, some people were angry, some people were sad. And, 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 and we got into this topic of that one verse in Jeremiah, right? Why would someone do this? Well, the reality is, inside of us, we're all a little bit messed up. We're all a little bit off, right? That's why we need the redeeming work of Jesus in our life, okay? 
And we got on the subject, this one idea, it says, and this is kind of how I coined it, right? This is my words, not exactly the Bible, but I think it works. Like, when you have these feels, how do you know what feels you should feel, right? Read that again. How do you know which feels that you should feel are the ones you should feel? I'm saying, I know, it's just like, but it's one of those things you say, you're like, that way. oh, yeah, yeah. How do you know? Which feels that you feel are the ones you should feel? Because the reality is, left to our own devices, the feels that we feel are going to shift into bitterness and anger and all kinds of stuff. Because the heart is deceitfully wicked. So how, we de- how do we determine, how do we decide what we should feel? Because we can't let things get to our hearts. Whenever I'm talking to this person, dealing with bitterness, I'm counseling someone, dealing with anxiety, I always make sure I ask the question, how is your heart doing? Because if you're allowing the wrong feels to affect your heart, you're going to get some real toxic stuff. When the pain, when the anxiety, when the pressure of the world invades your heart, you hit a place of potential critical impact. Bad things could happen because while the heart is deceitfully wicked, above all things, the Bible also tells us in Proverbs chapter 4, above all else, above everything else, guard your heart. Guard your heart because everything in your life, every single thing in your life flows from it. So the heart is deceitfully wicked, left to its own devices. It will feel some feels it should not feel, and those feels will affect you in a deep and incredible way. Then what do we do? Like I said, James says it here. If you're wise. So there's a correlation here between relationships, our feelings, and wisdom. That wisdom will change the course of the river. Wisdom will change the course and can affect change in what's going on inside of us. So if we're going to grow in wisdom, if we're going to grow in above thinking, not earthly thinking, but heavenly thinking, we've got to ask ourselves how we do that. Well, we've got to go to the book in the Bible that talks about wisdom, Proverbs. And Proverbs makes it crystal clear. Puts it right in the beginning, or not in the beginning, but, but the, the big verse about wisdom is simply this. Proverbs 9:10. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many, and your year and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. Dang. Woo! Woo! If you want to shift from that place of bitterness to that place of betterness, if you want that to affect your relationships, if you want that to change your heart, if you want that to change when you're driving through roundabouts, you've got to shift. You've got to make a shift. And you've got to adopt some heavenly wisdom. You've got to adopt some heavenly practices. And I love that the Bible, so we're talking about this idea of wisdom. And the Bible defines wisdom where it says the first step in wisdom or, or it says the beginning of wisdom. However you want to tackle that is the fear of the Lord. 
This simply is this. I, I like to break things down, not just in, in, in pure biblical terms. Well, this is what it says in Greek, Hebrew, whatever. But I like to give people those good handlebars where you can go out here and you can run with this. And you can take this and move and stride. And, and simply this, fear of the Lord is reverence and perspective. It's reverence and perspective. It's understanding in the pecking order of life, no matter what I'm going through, no matter how good I am, no matter how bad I am, no matter how, how much I'm over here, I'm over there, the Lord is above. The Bible says uh, that, that the heavens is throne, the earth is his footstool, right? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, right? You are God in heaven and here am I on earth, so I'm going to let my words be few. We've got to align ourselves with the perspective of God. We've got to put ourselves in that position that says, Lord, I recognize that it's not about my will. It's not about my desires solely. My will, my desires are part of the process, right? The Bible does say he gives you the desires of your heart. But the Bible also says you need to align yourself, pray his prayers. If you ask in his name according to his will, then he'll start moving, right? We've got to align ourselves. So if the Lord is above, we need to recognize that the pecking order is his will, his plan, his desires. And sometimes his will, his plan, his desires will feel really good. And sometimes they'll feel really tough for me. But I've got to understand the perspective. Like I'm taking off in an airplane. I just bought plane tickets. I'm going to New York in April for a cousin's wedding. And my whole family from over here, there's six or seven of us. So we're all from that area. We're all going back. And I'm excited to go as one family. This will be the, only the second time, really, we've ever gone together as a family. I'm pumped, but I love going up in planes because you can just see everything. It gives you that perspective. That life, while it is important, it is special, it is big, that when you take a different view of things, we have a different view of life, it changes everything. And we've got to do that if we're going to grow from bitterness to betterness. We've got to have a different perspective. We've got to move ourselves up into that realm that says, Lord, what are you doing here? What is your plan? I am going to make sure that I remain founded and grounded from your perspective, not my own. Come on now. If you don't do that, nothing else I say from this point on matters. Because if you don't take that first step... You cannot pass go. You cannot collect $200. I wish they were giving out $200 to be better, not bitter, because I don't know if more of us would do it, but in specific moments, it would make it help me better when I'm dealing with roundabouts and people are not knowing how to operate. If I knew $200 was going to be dropped into my bank account just like that, that'd be amazing. So we've got to grow in wisdom. We've got to grow in the fear of the Lord. Two words you will see. I want to highlight three more thoughts. Um, two you will see constantly actually coming up and in the book of Proverbs. And the third one, you all see in the book of Proverbs, but I don't know if it always gets highlighted quite as much. I think there's two other things. When you take that first step of growing in wisdom, the fear of the Lord, perspective, reverence, understanding your place compared to him. Because once you understand that, everything else has its own pecking order. And the next thing we need to recognize, and the Bible says this, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Two words that you also see, uh, often see in, in Proverbs tied closely to wisdom are knowledge and understanding. And I want to kind of give you some, like I said, some handlebars on what I think the word is trying to express to us. I think when the word is, 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 it says knowledge here in Proverbs, I think it's, it's, it's kind of talking about discernment, right? It's talking about discernment. And how I would classify discernment when it comes to shifting from bitter to better 
This is that kind of street smarts, right? This is that thing where you need to recognize that what's really going on here? You need to pop the hood and see what's really going on. And I think that's important because if you can get the perspective of the Lord and you ask the Lord for wisdom, which is also in James, it says, uh, he who lacks anything should ask God to give him wisdom because God gives generously without finding fault. That's in James chapter 1. I think when you say knowledge of the Holy One, it's saying, Lord, I want to grow my perspective, yes, but I also want to grow my discernment. Lord, help me see what's really going on under the hood. Help me develop an internal compass that helps me recognize what's going on, maybe the right questions to ask. Uh, A practical example I'll give of this is there's someone that I know really well and I have some interactions with through ministry that um, he's a good guy, but I figured something out early in in getting to know him. We kind of don't click really well. And I walked away from a conversation a little bit frustrated. And I had to recognize something. It wasn't anything he did. He's a great guy. But we just don't mesh super well. We're a little bit like oil and water. But he loves Jesus. I love Jesus. We're both moving in the same direction. But we're probably not going to be in the same car driving in that direction, right? You get what I'm saying? And I had to recognize that that's okay. I can take some discernment and I can understand that not everyone needs to be my best friend. I don't need to agree with everyone on every topic. I can love them and honor them. People always say different words Uh, uh, I won't get into this topic, but people say different words to make it feel like, oh, do you accept me or whatever? And and I I, I remember I paused somebody once. I said, I I have a hard time using some of that language because I just don't know if I, you know, we get into a lot of like things in our world. So I, I, I started coining this phrase for me. Like when it comes to people I disagree with, I said, I don't know if I'm accepting or this or that or the other, but I can be loving and honoring. I had to take a step back and ask the Lord to grow me in discernment. It's like, Lord, what's really going on here? And, and this guy, and it was kind of funny, true story, I was out to dinner, my wife and I were out to dinner with some friends last night, and they announced to us that they're pregnant, and so it was really fun, and, and this same person, I wasn't even going to bring this up in the sermon until last night, walked into the restaurant where we're eating. I gave him a hug, I said hi, and we, we chatted, and I, I said hi to his wife, and great person, and, and I, I remember leaning over to our friends and saying, you know, it's funny, like, me and him don't really get along, but like, I recognize it's not a him thing, it's a me thing. Like, he rubs me the wrong way, and I can't take that out on him because of the way I feel. And that was something I had to grow in discernment, because you had talked to an Eddie maybe 10 years ago. I don't know if I could have said it that same way. So fear of the Lord and perspective gives you an opportunity to grow in knowledge of the Holy One, grow in discernment, figure out what's really going on under the hood. And the second word you see oftentimes attached to wisdom is you'll see understanding, and then you see, excuse me, you see knowledge, you see understanding. And how I, I, I kind of coin understanding is, is just exactly what I told you a second ago. It's not just discernment to know what's going on, but it's understanding is what's going on inside of you. What triggers you? How are you wired? How are you made up? Because if you can get perspective from the Lord, if you can have discernment on situations, and if you can understand what's going on inside of you, this is where I think counseling is great. This is where I think having people around you to encourage you. And this is where you can take a step back, you know, almost like have that, uh, have that out-of-body experience where you're like, let me be a fly on the wall in this situation right now. And let me see what's going on. What triggers you? 
I've done counseling many points in my life. My dad died on six years old, so I've done grief counseling. I've, I've done counseling because I was stressed out in ministry. Come on now, amen. Trevor and Erica in the back like, whoo, right? And one of the things I remember when I was going to counseling about 15 years ago is, and this was before trigger, that word became popular. My counselor said, what are those things that trigger you, Eddie? And I was like, wow, I've never thought about that. Man, when this happens and that happens, I usually respond this way. So I think wisdom, having that perspective, knowledge, getting some discernment to figure out what's really going on, and understanding are vitally important if you're going to make that shift from bitter to better. Reverence, fear of the Lord, perspective. Knowledge of the Holy One. Lord, give me discernment to know what's really going on. And understanding, Lord, what's in me? What triggers me? And the fourth, and then the final component I want to add to this, and we'll wrap up, is this word you see a few times in Proverbs, but I don't think it gets highlighted enough. This word instruction. And here's how I, can, I would describe it to you. Do you recognize that in the book of Proverbs, I love this, and this, is, this hit me when I was kind of praying and preparing to share with you all. Wisdom gets personified a lot in Proverbs. In other words, they take this idea of wisdom and they make it a person. And really, in the nature of Proverbs, when it's a father writing to his son, literally and figuratively, and it's a father saying, heed my instruction, follow my lead. I, I feel like you can echo Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. I love the fact that Proverbs personifies wisdom. So let's read this, Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to take three different chunks of Proverbs chapter 3, and they flow pretty well together. Trust the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord, there that is, wisdom, and shun evil. And he will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Come on now, with the first fruits of your crop. Um, and then your barns will be uh, filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. She, uh, her ways, are pleasant, her ways are, are pleasant ways, and all of her paths are peace. She is the tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold on to her fast, hold fast on to her will be blessed. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve them, uh, preserve sound judgment and, dis, and, dis, uh, uh, excuse me, and discretion, for they will be life to you, an ornament of grace around your neck. I love that wisdom has been personified in this because the reality is, is the only way we're going to grow 
from bitterness to betterness is if we do it in community. If we do it, not the blind leading the blind, but us following the lead of other people. One of the things I've been able to do and grow in any area of this is I've had mentors and friends and brothers and sisters in Christ who went before me and I was able to follow their lead. I was able to grow in ways that I probably couldn't have grown if I was just sitting by myself. But I had someone to lead me. I had someone to be alongside of me, sharpening iron sharpens iron. I've got people coming up behind me that I want to be an example for. And I love the fact that the word says you should pursue wisdom and become friends with her. Be arm in arm, brother and sister, like, a, like, a, like an ornament around your neck. Protect and preserve it. It's something we should follow after. I love that this idea of instruction is about relationship and community and connectedness because you are not going to get better from bitter by yourself. So take it back to that last question I asked, or the first question I asked. How do you know what feels that you feel are the ones you should feel? How do you know? Well, step one, Lord, let me get some perspective. Fear the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Let me take a step back. Number two, Lord, what's really going on here? Number three, what's going on inside of me? And number four, Lord, who can I be with? Who can I follow so that I can move from being bitter to better? Can I pray for us? Father, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, I don't know if we said that 10,000 times, we'd say it enough. Lord, we don't want to be people who sit in bitterness and offense. We don't want to be people who have this earthly below wisdom. We want to be people who take a step up your perspective, that heavenly wisdom that says, Lord, what does it look like to be the man or the woman of God that you've called us to be, to be peacemakers, to be loving, to be people who lead, lead well. We thank you, folks, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Rainier View.